All I'm offering is the truth, nothing more. Hope you guys are having a safe fucking Fourth of July weekend. There's nothing really safe about it when they're blowing off fucking fireworks in front of fucking motherfuckers who've got shell shock and shit. Makes a whole lot of sense, America. Keep it up. <laughs> Welcome back to the show, dicks. Anyway, man, um, I'm gonna go ahead and give you the fucking road journal episode. I decided to go ahead and just give it to you from the last fucking two months of my time. So this is kind of the closest up to date shit. I've recorded. I just want to go ahead and do the fucking journal, man. And you know why, man? I've been everywhere, man. That's right, I've motherfucker. Man. Well, <laughs> we're going to fucking let Johnny Cash fucking sing in the background, but what the reality is, stands. I've been everywhere. All right, motherfucker. I've been to Reno, Chicago, <coughs> Minnesota, Buffalo, Toronto, Winslow, Sarasota. Been to most of this shit. <laughs> I'm going to tell you how I fucking came out of Southern Illinois after a fucking mission. And I can't tell you about that. That's classified. But I can tell you what happened after that. And I'm going to. <laughs> the story kind of ends wherever I want it, I guess. This episode's brought to you by some fucking homegrown indica. Given to me by a Palladian who freaked out on me while doing nitrous hits. Oh, I'm gonna tell you, fucking! I even went to Disneyland, motherfucker. Oh, my book of poisons just showed up. That's a new feel for me. <laughs> yeah, man, I went to go fucking try to grow poison in the queer garden in Carbondale. This guy had a problem with me. Said I was a freak for wanting to grow poison. To take photographs of it. I'm like, really? All I'm doing is taking photographs of poisonous plants. He said I was creepy. I said, I'm not creepy. You're just fucking lazy. Alright, guys. <laughs> This episode's dedicated to my uh, aunt, Bobby Jean. Rest in peace. And uh, all these stories are for you. I hope you get to hear this. The good, the bad, the ugly. And we love you. We love you, Bobby Jean. Alright, guys. Stay the fuck tuned, motherfucker. We'll be right back. Red alert. Red alert. Red alert. 
lost my line of debt. You haven't dismantled your MX stockpile. Pakistan is threatening my border. That's it, Buster. No more military aid. Nuke them. Get them before they get you. Another quality home game from Butler Brothers. Because bigger is better. 6,000 SUX, an American tradition. We now return, dude. So the story begins at the end of my journey in Carbondale. I can't tell you all of it, dude. I will tell you about part of it, though. It's interesting shit. And you guys know I'm working with a spirit. Her name is Esmeralda. She's only like 15 or 16 years old. She was killed back in about 1820s by her dad, who was the founder of the Southern Railroad. The Southern Illinois Railroad, it's not around anymore. And I needed to kind of verify who Esmeralda was, because right now she's just some story, really, on a couple sites of people chasing ghosts along the Mississippi River. I assure you, <laughs> she's very real. Verification of that too. It's people that have gotten around there. So I was sitting in my apartment and I thought it was like two days after I got to Carbondale. And when I got to Carbondale, I wasn't even sure what I was supposed to do, but I knew it had to do with the portal it was obvious because the portal's less than 20 miles away from there. And Esmeralda's guarding it. So God was like, all right, I need you to go down to the secret library. It's at SIU. And I was like, what's a secret library? So I went down to a secret library, <laughs> which is located inside the actual library. And I asked a guy and I said, What's up, dude? I need to go to the secret library. And he looked to the left and he looked to the right like Inspector Clouseau cartoon style. <laughs> and he goes, shh, okay, let's go. <laughs> Fucking around, dude. And uh, so we, we walked down a hall, went into this room. He put his hand up on a secret panel and the fucking wood went up. I was like, what the fuck? And I went into this room and the guy was sitting there. He's like, what kind of book can I get for you? And I was like, well, I need to see the fucking backlog on uh, Grand Tower, Illinois. The Devil's Backbone Campground. And he got this weird look in his eye. And he's like, well, that might take a day. Can you come back tomorrow? It's like, sure. So I came back to the secret library the next day. And he had a book. But there's no record in there. It's not in there. God showed me what happened and had how Esmeralda had taken vengeance against Grand Tower. I'm going to save that one because right now she's on duty and me and her and Mary Magdalene and Mother Mary and Baron Somdi, 
who just grabbed my Aunt Bobby Jean last night, gently took her away. I can't tell you about the rest of it. It's just pretty much classified in the nursery keeper ops, man. But I'll tell you this. I will tell you after it's over. Anyway, I knew when it was over. And I was there for about eight months in this fucking meth hole, southern Illinois. And when I got done, and after my neighbor pulled a gun on me, because he's schizophrenic and thought our upstairs neighbors were serial killers killing hookers and thought I was involved with it. That's another uh, story. You can go listen to the Crackhead IHOP episode with my buddy Josh. <laughs> I was out of there, dude. I was out of there. I decided to go see my mom in New Orleans. Fucking train out of fucking Carbondale. Doesn't leave until fucking 3.15 in the morning. Fucking fascist fucking dicks. Who picks this kind of bull ass shit of fucking traveling? What am I hopping a fucking train? Uh, so anyway, which I've never done. I'm going to sit here and act like I've done it. That's my mom. And speaking of my mom, we're heading to her house in New Orleans. About seven hours down the fucking river. <laughs> That's for you, Mom. <laughs> Every year I go back to my mom's house and you know she's a fucking hoarder. And I gotta fucking clean out her shit. I went there this time and I was like, I gotta go to Colorado, Mom. I can't fucking do this right now. And I thought I had to go record this album, and I didn't necessarily want to go to Colorado. Because I don't really like Colorado. It's beautiful land. Doesn't have anything to do with that. And the honkies that fucking reside there, they don't belong there, dude. <laughs> but anyway, motherfuckers, uh, I went to Colorado under the auspices that I was going to record with my old drummer and another guy and just like total Colorado style these guys are flakier than two boxes of fucking frosted flakes god bless them <laughs> anyway New Orleans to Colorado and up to the top of a fucking mountain uh. So Colorado, man, I always considered it to be the land of the dead. <laughs> it's just this fucking black hole of a fucking place. I realized that I had a really good time when I was younger because I didn't need to stock and to put the trust in as much into people, you know, or myself. You got to kill your ego, man. <laughs> Uh, so when I get up to the top of, a, of the world here, I can see the three corners of the mountains that I'm surrounded by. It's the peak to peak highway, man. And we got a little fucking abandoned fucking horse ranch up there that we fucking grow weed in, squat, 
converted it over a period of years and grow our own shit. Pretty good shit, man. Got stoned the whole time I was there. You're supporting all the fucking farmers locally, no matter what. And they kind of got it like that now, you know? So I met Heather's parents, and I hadn't met them for like 30 fucking years. I haven't seen Heather for fucking 25 fucking years. And I remember her parents like some kind of watercolor imprint version of them in my head. And her, their parents are a trip, man. Her parents are, <laughs> they're elders. But the mom's an artist, and the dad's like this kind of fucking conservative, by-the-book kind of guy. It's like the worst mixture couples. Right out of the worst mixture couples guides. And I don't know why people end up together. She was always suicidal the whole time we were talking, man. And I think she really got a kick out of talking to me because I like to say fuck if you didn't know. And I like to say motherfucker. And guess who else did? Heather's mom. We got to talk as artists. She never got to do that, man. She's always surrounded by all these old white people that fucking suck. I tell you, man, I couldn't fucking be married to somebody that fucking didn't understand, dude. Like, that's the last thing I'm gonna do. I don't understand a lot of cultures, though, and how they have to fucking work that way. That's not... That's thankfully not me. She does fucking... She did stop driving drunk. That's good. But she's still depressed. But I think she enjoyed that little bit of time. I did too, man. Well, I made a deal with Heather. I was going to stay up at her house and the shack and collect toys and da-da-da-da. <laughs> and then we were going to leave after she finished doing some business. That's her fucking business. And I was like, okay. So against my own mental health, I stayed in Colorado. And sometimes you gotta bite the bullet for a friend like that. Which I have found myself doing a lot of since I've been in the decision of becoming a doctor. We need new doctors, man. Come forward, dude. Kill your ego. And lay your life down. You fucking dick. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> You know, man, it was like this series of fucked up nights up there, up on the mountain. It can get kind of crazy out there in the woods, man, you know, and there's like not much going on. <laughs> You're in the middle of nowhere, and clouds can just show up on top of the mountain, and you'll just be in the middle of a cloud, and it'll be 90 degrees one minute, and snowing the next. And, uh, you really have to be prepared for that kind of shit, you know? I had heard stories about kids and stuff going up certain canyon roads and never coming back down. They even have frozen dead guy data out there in Netherlands. For all the people that they find frozen, there's like seven or eight people they usually find frozen that got stranded up on the mountain. This one night, it was like 3.30 or 4 in the morning, and this noise woke me up, and it, worked, and it woke up Birdie. 
the Great Dane. And she was like, and I opened the door and it was solid gray out. You couldn't see the trees. You couldn't see anything, dude. And I listened up the road and I could hear little kids laughing and talking or something. And I was like, what in the fuck is that? And I got kind of frightened, you know? And I woke up Heather. And it was really hard to wake her up, but she woke up. And she was like half asleep, you know? And I was like, Heather, there's little kids laughing up on the road. I need to go protect them. And she goes, no, it's the hag in the wind. And I was like, the hag in the wind? She goes, there's all kinds of noises up in this canyon. But there's certain spirits, and they'll trick you to come outside. And she's saying it while she's half asleep. I was kind of wondering if she was, like, dreaming or whatever. And it was really Blair Witchy. <laughs> and I could still hear him up the road. She goes, nope, don't go. It'll trick you outside, and then you'll be attacked by a coyote or a moose or a mountain lion. It'll just come out of nowhere and attack you. It's a trick. It's the hag in the wind. And I was like, what? I'd never heard of anything like that out of all my time I'd spent in Colorado. I told her what she was telling me the next day, and she goes, oh, yeah, it's totally true. <laughs> I, knew, I, was, I was awake when I was telling you. I called up my friend Elf, you know, and I was a little shaken. And I said, Elf, do you know about the hag in the wind? And he's like, the hag in the wind? I was like, yep. Don't fuck with it. Computer, what the fuck is a super flower blood moon? Directly between the moon and the sun, May's full moon is set to rise over Los Angeles skies on Sunday night in the midst of a total lunar eclipse. Well, I could have fucking told you that, motherfucker. Jesus Christ. Anyway, we tried to go on this little transistor radio and shit, dude, to fucking find out any information about the moon or whatever, you know, and there was nothing there, you know. Finally, we got outside, and it was like, we're on top of the mountain. Earlier in the day, there was people who actually got stranded in the sky that were paragliding or whatever, dude. Like, I don't, they were parasailing in the sky, and they got stuck up there. There was a fire. All these fire trucks were up there. It was kind of chaotic, you know? So anyway... That night, we see the moon, and we're like waiting, you know, and it gets to a certain position, and then all of a sudden, man, it starts going fucking blood red, dude. I was like, whoa. I wasn't expecting to see it the way that I, I didn't know the significance of it. The super flower blood moon, man. May 15th. Well, I saw a lot of views on uh, YouTube. 
and I saw that, oh, fans calling in. Yeah, I can't respond to that on the fucking air, guy. I left that business. <laughs> Dude! All right, anyway, uh, so me and Heather are watching this thing, but... It's one thing, the moon's still supposed to transit across the sky, and the weird thing was the moon stopped, and it took about two hours, and I, I realized it is not transitioning, it's not moving, it's still supposed to be in shadow, but the moon's still supposed to move, too. It didn't. It fucking shut down. It was like... All these things I had heard about from, like, drunken reports from Glenn Armstrong or Neil Armstrong, I mean, and Glenn Close or whatever the fuck. Any of those astronaut fucking dicks. <laughs> Glenn Close, I thought you'd like that one. Uh, but yeah, artificial construct, David Icke. Are these guys right about the moon being just this fucking crazy ball, artificial ball? I saw it shut down, and it was weird because all these airplanes were started showing up and spotlighting all these areas and da 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 da. And there was some weird chemical truck that fucking showed up, driving all slow past the fucking house. It's like, what are you looking at, dude? Keep on driving, Johnny Chemicals. Heather was looking at me like, what the fuck? And as soon as that happened. A fucking ghetto bird fucking showed up like it was like Denver fucking Five Points area or some bullshit, dude. This motherfucker was like a hundred feet above us, man, fucking flashlighting us for a split second. Over private property, of course. <laughs> Stupid. And, you know, then they flew off. But that was what was weird. They kept close and they kept looking for something. And I have no idea what the fuck you'd be looking for during this weird-ass broken moon night. But that's what I told Heather. I was like, the moon stopped. And she's like, I think it did. And she was on shrooms, so it was easier for her to probably believe that. <laughs> but my ass runs off natural paranoia, y'all. And I've done a lot of studies on David Icke's theories on the moon being a firewall program for the Saturn's radiation producing the matrix even my boss says in the old book you gotta break out of the matrix man he says it twice well why is that maybe this is all bullshit around you illusions my friend Heather was suffering with illusion sickness and I see a lot of people suffering with illusion sickness. There's people I've had on the show that think I suffer with illusion sickness, or I'm delusional, or whatever. Well, we probably all are. But you know, this is how I'm dealing with it. What the fuck are you doing? Gratifying yourself on a daily basis? You really gotta step outside yourself and try to do something and tell the truth even if it's about the moon being fucking fake 
It's like, what if it is? Get over it. Is it really that big of a shock? NASA's fucking lying to you all the fucking time? But that's ground level shit. There's a whole nother fucking story, right? There's the spirit. And if you only stick to ground level politics, that's where you'll end up. In the ground. It's not clever. <laughs> it's reality, man. Kind of like the reality you'd have to face if the moon was fucking fake. You'd be like, well, nothing shocks me by now. That's because you're desensitized, dude. That's why. You're fucking desensitized. Even to the moon stopping and swarms of motherfuckers looking for those aliens that got away while the moon stopped. You know it's probably some 13-year-old kids, too, that fucking hacked into the moon system and shut their little show down for the night. And they're probably in Colorado. But uh, then again, I'm pretty an imaginative guy, you know? <laughs> Who fucking knows? Super flower blood moon. By this point, I was like, all right, man, we're like three days out from fucking leaving. I wanted to get the fuck out of here. Fuck Colorado. I saw enough of it. And, uh, I was ready to go. I'm ready to go now, where I'm at now, but at least I wasn't in Colorado, man. Alright, let's get the fuck rolling. Fuck Colorado. We already established it. Well, the moon stopped, the clock stopped. Heather thought she was done with her business. It finally came to pass. <laughs> and we were going to get the fuck out of Colorado, man. I'm just, you know, I'll take so much of fucking mountain motherfuckers and then I'm over it. I got a problem with everybody. No, I'm just playing. Um, you know, I, uh... Just wanted to help Heather get out of there. And I was anxious. <laughs> and her parents were like, you gotta take the dog with you, right? And That dog would love to just be on that land forever, but... She was doing pretty good fucking traveling for being like eight feet tall. 160 pound fucking dog. We loaded up her fucking truck and we got the fuck out of town. Decided to go to a hidden place in New Mexico. I learned about about 21 years ago. And I decided that it, I thought it was the best idea to go ahead and uh... <laughs> go ahead and fucking have a good time and go back to these hot springs. And I could feel that God was with us. So we took the drive. Pretty cool, man. Stopped at some thrift stores along the way. Ate pretty well. Stayed hydrated. <laughs> By the time we got to this Native American reservation, 
I could feel it, you know, and there was a huge fire. And it was like on the outskirts of where we were. And we didn't know how far it had spread, but by the time we got to where we were going, it was fucking like, just so like too late. So a lot of the hot springs that we were gonna go walk to, the, the city had coned off. And uh, you couldn't get up there. We did have to pay for a private $25 an hour kind of thing, but it was totally worth it anyway. Not the same. And if you really want to go at the right time, go in the fall. If you want to know where it is, you can call me and I'll tell you where it is. Under the stipulation, you keep it to yourself. It's a healing place. And I don't want to just say it on here, man. I got an estimated audience of like 29 to 50 people at any given time on this fucking show. <laughs> That's enough to fuck some shit up. But I'll... If you want to know, you can call me at 206-666-5847. 206-666-5847. And if you're nice to me, I'll tell you. So anyway, there's about six or seven rest stops in. And I felt it on this one mile-high mountain wall. And we got Birdie out of the car, and we were walking up this path, and she jumped right into this sacred water, you know? And, uh, it was pretty amazing. I walked down about a hundred feet, and I saw this tree, and it had a bench under it. And I was like, that's where I'm going. And Heather was like, why? What's up with that? And I was like, I just knew it was the right one. And I sat in it. And these two uh, women that were part of the Mary gang, you can call me about that too if you want to talk about that. They were angels. They were like, excuse me, you're in my pew. <laughs> and they were like, what? I was like, whoa. And Heather kind of had a weird look on her face. She'd seen a lot of weird stuff with me already. <laughs> and the woman was like, that's my pew and this is the church. She busted out a $300 fucking set of watercolor pencils and a sketch pad and I drew with them for about a half hour. And Heather was like amazed. And it was the rawest form of art therapy I've ever had. Right there. In a sacred place. Uh-oh. We'll be right back. Is it time for that big operation? This may be the most important decision of your life. So come down and talk to one of our qualified surgeons. Here at the Family Heart Center. We feature the complete Jarvik line. Series 7 Sports Heart by Jensen. Yamaha, you picked the heart. Extended warranty. Qualifies for health tax credit. And remember, we care. Three dead police officers, one critically injured. 
Magnavolt, the final word in auto security. No embarrassing alarm noise, no need to trouble the police. And it won't even run down your battery. Magnavolt. Lethal response. We now return. <laughs> oh. After we did the pew in the church, we were staying at these, you know, kind of motels that you just pay for online and they give you a key code. You never talk to really anybody. And we were wanting to do something else. And somebody had told us about these tunnels. These tunnels that were behind the mountain. It's like sacred land, man, you know? So we went behind the mountain, took us ride, saw some cool stuff, pulled over, made a couple friends with some town strays, little doggies. <laughs> they come up and start chewing on you, and then you pet them a little bit, and you got a friend out there for life somehow. <laughs> with some photos to prove it. So we went up the road a little bit longer and it came to this point where there was a yellow like safety bar that was across this path. We weren't allowed to go in there. And I was like, well, let's go. <laughs> and right when we passed, you know, I saw like a bunch of peyote buttons and stuff. You're on sacred land and tribal land, so you can take one of the baby buttons, but you can't take the grandma button. So don't get cocky and try to take the one big one. Because that's not cool. At all. And we walked up this path, and it was beautiful, man. Big ass waterfall falling like 400 feet. Coming up off this fucking side of this mountain and like the stream running next to us and the walls were beautiful man the mountains were huge Heather finally was, was like you know I'm gonna go ahead and fucking strip my clothes off dude lay in this fucking creek and there's like some sacred shit and she did and she laid down in it I didn't want to do it man I was like nah <laughs> I didn't trust my leg not healed all the way and I've had some leg trouble you guys can go back and listen to a couple episodes about that boring ass shit but I didn't want to fuck around I walked up about 200 feet and there was a hill with a white cross at the top of it you know and I walked up there and Heather had gotten out and had already put her clothes back on and she snapped a photo of me at the top of the hill with the cross and we walked back. We got back, you know. We're both dealing with mental illnesses and stuff, but we've known each other for a long time. It was really nice to watch my friend heal for a minute, dude. I don't know if she knows how much that meant to me. But I'm just glad I could be that kind of doctor 
to help her get out of town where she felt stuck at and to get her someplace where she could feel better. Sometimes you just have to fucking do this shit, dude. Sometimes you just have to help heal yourself and help heal other people and sometimes the only way to help heal yourself is to help heal other people, man. You really gotta step outside yourself. I'm a shitty candidate. I've had a lot of fucking falling outs with people, but I'll tell you, man, not one of them can say, even if they don't like me anymore, that I didn't try. For whatever reasons, people fall out, man. We have conflicts. Changes happen in life. This was not my land. This wasn't Heather's land. This land belonged to God, and we're just sharing it. You know? And the time. <laughs> when we were walking back out, you know, getting back in the car, I looked up in the uh, side of the mountain, and there was a gigantic white angel. Just almost like burnt in with a laser or something, man. But it was a total, like, prophetic outline of a guardian angel. The angel of the healing land. And I felt blessed. And I felt really thankful to be able to share it, man. Well, our time did come to an end. And we're like, we're going to come back. And we're going to come back when it's cold. We were driving about 100 miles outside the canyon and I looked back and you could see where the whole huge fire smoke was consuming and burning the land. And we were glad that we made it out okay. And we, you know, were really thankful. I told Heather, I was like, well, I need to go see my mom. And it's a long ride. So why don't you just drop me off at the fucking airport in Albuquerque, which is about 40 miles away from where we were. And she decided to go ahead and just go for it and go with me. And I was really proud of her, man, for doing it. And I'm proud of my friends when they attempt to do better for themselves and you're setting a lead for me too man you know alright well let's go to fucking Texas Texas is a fucking long ass fucking boring ass fucking no tolerance fucking state motherfucker it's hard to find something to fucking listen to on the radio you know what I'm saying Rock and roll request line. This is Stretch on an open request line on K. Oakland in Burke Burnett, Texas. Red River Rock and Roll from the tip top of the Dallas Fort Worth Metroplex. Well, I asked Heather if she'd ever seen Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 2, and to my dismay, she had not. And it was just something I always wanted to fucking do earlier in the day. We ended up at the crossroads 
try and decide if we should go to Roswell and record an episode. <laughs> Three hours there and back to the highway. I was like, with our fucking luck, we'll get popped by the fucking government. <laughs> My mom was like, no, you gotta do it. She didn't have any gas money to throw down. <laughs> so we didn't do it. But one day, it's on the to-do list for sure. I will record an episode from fucking Roswell. Or as close as I can get to it. Driving through Texas at night. You see fucking all these like crazy little houses in the middle of fucking nowhere. They all remind you of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So I guess this little part is a homage to Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> I gotta tell you, man, Heather's one of the worst drivers I've ever been with, man. And I didn't have my license. But by the time we had gotten outside of fucking Fort Worth and Dallas, Heather had a fucking panic attack. Not putting her down for it, man. But I didn't want to fucking wait, so guess what I fucking did for the first time in four years or five years since I fucking left, lost my license. Your doctor did drive through Fort Worth and Dallas. Ugh. <laughs> it was like a Stephen J. Cannell fucking... I had to go buy fucking, like, at least fucking 18 fucking road pigs, man. And they don't have fucking, like, marked cars out there. They're just, like, looking for motherfuckers. Mainly mules for the cartel. <laughs> we look like prime candidates with those Colorado license plates. Sitting ducks. Got through fucking Fort Worth. And just did this incredibly long-ass fucking drive, man. Uh, heading towards Shreveport, Louisiana. But you know, it did feel good to fucking just be on the road anyway, man. Sometimes when you're in the middle of nowhere, you're just left with your own shit. And to all the old travelers... You guys know exactly what the fuck I'm talking about. My mom did. <laughs> She's like, you're restless, boy. <laughs> I never knew why she fucking... Or anybody else has an affiliation with fucking Texas like this, man. But... Ain't for me. No way, G. Alright, we're about to fucking hit NOLA. So let's get the fuck going. <laughs> I was pretty psyched to get to fucking New Orleans. I wanted to get a shop down there, you know, some kind of punk rock fucking toy store. But in the back of my head, I was like, you know, toys just don't do well down there, man. The punk shit does. But toys don't. It's talking about my concern. Up to date, still don't have the shop yet. But I'm working on it. 
want to open this shop with Heather, you know? We get down to fucking Shreveport, fucking stayed at this fucking motel overnight. <laughs> you know, Heather started feeling better finally. Well, let's get the fuck down to NOLA. About four or five hours later, we're in New Orleans. Getting to my mom's fucking house. <laughs> I told her, I was like, you're going to have to help me clean my mom's house, dude. She's a fucking hoarder. And she doesn't clean up, man. She's a gutter punk, dude. We tried for about a week. Looking around, man. Just really couldn't find shit, dude. And then... Kind of came to the conclusion. Toys don't do that well in New Orleans. And I don't really want to be trying to hustle toys in a place that fucking... Doesn't really work out. Heather was like, well, you know, it's because we didn't fucking open it up yet, you know? But she didn't understand. I wasn't into it. Suddenly some news came up that Heather fucking had a takeoff, man. She had to go back to Colorado and take care of some shit. Currently, she's still taking care of her shit. If you go back and listen to the episode, my mom was in fucking glow, which was recorded out of a fucking hospital. My mom laid up because she decided to go fucking beat up some motherfucker who was hurting people. And she had the right idea, but she did it wrong. You guys can listen to the episode. Anyway, after that episode was recorded, I knew I just wanted to get the fuck out of there, man. I found this ad on fucking Craigslist for this guy looking for content creators in Los Angeles. The rent was right. I talked to him over the phone. He sounded kind of whatever. But he sounded intelligent. <laughs> So I was like, fuck it, the portal's not over with, and I really wasn't planning on going back to L.A. until after the fuck, fuck I was done with it, but I called my mom and told her I'm going back to fucking L.A., and I didn't really have anything else to fucking really do, man, and I was going to go to Venice and meet up with my other friend, Daniel, and hustle down there. Well, here's where everything starts to fucking hit the fucking fan and get really fucking bizarre. Like I said, whenever you cross into the fucking California border, man, it just goes chaos. This was no exception, man. <laughs> We're gonna finish this fucking story out, dude. And it's fucking a hell of a one, man, so fucking stick around. Because it's fucked. I had to get my fucking ticket together. I was going to fly out to L.A. and I got my friend George to give me a ride out there to the New Orleans fucking airport. And I got on the fucking plane 
was thinking about it, you know, it was like, hopefully this is the right move, right? We never know until it's too late. <laughs> the thoughts that were going through my head. I haven't been back there since my dog died. And Lil's meant everything to me, you know. I was like, well, I really got to hold it together, man. I really got to put it together. Flew in, took about three hours. Guy said he'd meet me at the airport. Fucking Daniel. He shows up in this fucking beat up old car. There's no front seat. And he's a good, you know, he's got a, this kind of cool persona to him, but something was off, you know. <laughs> we take this, you know, 30 minute ride back to wherever he was in, uh, outside of fucking uh, Burbank. And he's got this house, you know, it looks decent. But you go inside and it's trashed. And there's pictures all on the ground and weird coins and stamps, tools. And he had these uh, two crazy dogs because God likes to put the dogs in my life. They kind of are an indicator that I'm safe somehow. <laughs> and you know, if you've been listening to these episodes, you know. There's a lot of dogs <laughs> all over the fucking shows. And I got friends that are dogs all over the fucking place. I know all kinds of dogs. This guy had a labadoodle, gigantic mutated poodle, and then one of those little fucking Yorkie little motherfuckers. <laughs> she was cute right away the guy's like well I'm going to tell you straight up I'm a drug addict I was like well I wish you kind of would have told me that before I fucking got out here you don't seem to act like a, a drug addict he's like well man people got a myth they got a misconception of what fucking being on drugs are and stuff, I was like, great, so you're like the intelligent crackhead. Doesn't make much sense to me, man, but I never got into the fucking drug thing. So he starts telling me, you know, oh, I want to do this and that with the fucking uh, content, with content providers, and you're the first person. I really don't have my shit together, but... I was looking at his mess, I was like, there was a sniper rifle in the corner. <laughs> there were these big ass fucking like Rambo blades laying around, weird bongs and I guess the bongs are pretty normal, but that sniper rifle particularly was getting on my nerves. So he took me over to this property and he was telling me the story. He's like, well, my dad, you know, he has properties all over Burbank and stuff like that. And he bought me this house in a block away. 
there's a house where there's two houses and the one's not even ready to be looked at dude it's pretty fucked up the other one is empty I went inside of it it felt kind of weird like it was just some drug ran gangbanger little shack thing but me in my head you know I'm like hey I can turn this into a fucking store right <laughs> yeah right I was like what's in the other house well, this guy died in there. Right away, I was getting the rushes of all these fucking negative feelings. He's like, yeah, I guess he was sitting on the toilet for five months decomposing before any of us fucking found him. And I didn't really have a connection to him because I just lost my mom. And I think that's why I really couldn't tell that the guy was really dead in there, you know? You know, eventually I stayed the night. He gave me a nice bed to sleep on, but the whole place was just fucked. And he just kept blowing that meth smoke in my fucking face. And I'm nose blind, so I really can't smell it too bad. I have smelt meth when motherfuckers are like foiling. That shit stinks. But he was just smoking this glass dick. And he was telling me, man, he was like, I found all kinds of stuff over at this guy's house. There were seven safes. Six safes. And gangbangers were looking. They kept coming over looking for fucking shit out of this guy's house. He said, finally, you went over there and gangbangers were looking through the shit. And he goes, look, I'm not going to call the cops. You know that. But you guys still got to get the fuck out of here, you know. And uh, he's like, they were like, well, let's go dig holes in the back of the yard. That's all we really want to do. So they were fucking drilling holes in the backyard and all this shit. Eventually, they stopped. And then they left and they never came back. So him and his little meth head friend or whatever I met, you know, the guy, some white dude that's just out of his mind. This other guy, Daniel, you know, he's like conflicted with uh, a bunch of shit. Some kind of mental illness. Really couldn't put my finger on it. And he was like, look, man, in that house, there's a bunch of money still, all kinds of shit. He's like, if you want to go over there with us, you can. And so I did. And I went into the house and there was papers and weird comic books from like Austria, Walt Disney, German fucking comic books, really old. And pictures and all this shit. He had a chart of L.A. divided up into squares. He had a gigantic filing cabinet. That was everything organized and all these people. He could totally tell he was doing freelance work for businesses. 
I started to put it together after I saw, like, the German fucking gun club magazines and all this shit. I finally told the guys, I was like, did you guys realize that he's a vigilante hitman? And they were like, uh-uh. And I felt it, and God was like, yep. And I cracked open the fucking uh, bathroom door, you know. And I uh, <laughs> looked inside, and it was really eerie, man. It was fucked. And the, and the guy goes, that's where they found him at. And I closed the door back. I looked in a few different places where they found these safes. And the, I went back to the house. I decided I didn't really want to take anything, you know. And he had some prostitute staying over at his house or whatever. And he took off. And the chick was smoking as much meth as that dude was. <laughs> and uh, I told her, I was like, don't you feel that, man? And I uh, asked God right then, I was like, do you want me to advocate this guy back to heaven? Because I had to advocate two other people to heaven this year. And God, for the first time, I saw him go, nope. I was like, nah, just leave him. And I saw his corpse and he was bloated and white and naked, trapped in his house while all these fucking drug addicts fucking rooted through his shit and it was kind of his own hell. Who knows the kind of shit he really did. I told the prostitute, I was like, you feel that? And she's like, yeah. He's screaming right now, and that's exactly what I was feeling, and I was like, whoa, 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 Yep. And it, the whole thing was fucking eerie, man. About two more days of this shit lasted, and I told Daniel, I was like, well, I want to get the fuck out of here, and it was this one morning, I decided, I'm going to go see my other friend Daniel in Venice Beach. <laughs> Thought that was going to be a good idea. We'll get to that in a minute. And he came in and he... This Daniel, he had... $2,000. Like a handful of money. And he's like, I just found this in his house. And I was like, looking at the money, like... Mm. I was like, I'm going to get the fuck out of here. And he was like... Well, will you at least help me cash in these gold coins? Because... I've already cashed in these gold coins and stuff that I got from over there and I can only cash in so many a month. And I was like, what? And he goes, well, I'll get like $2,000 off this and I'll give you 400 for just cashing in the coin. And I was like, nope. And I was like, hey man, will you uh, take some of that newfound money and give me a ride down to Venice? <laughs> and we did. He, did. he got it together. And he took off. 
and I was off. And I was like, fuck this, man. But the ghost of that hitman in that weird-ass fucking house and how dark and danky it was and just... Ugh. Saw a couple paranormal things on the last couple months. And that was one of the ones I just did not want to fuck with, I'll tell you. Because when it's all said and done, some objects you just got to leave alone. And if it doesn't really belong to you and you can tell, fucking leave it alone. Testing fucker. So I'm heading back to Venice, man. Leaving the fucking hitman fucking and uh, the weirdo fucking Daniel. And heading down to Venice to go see my other friend fucking Daniel. And we're bound, you know, by fucking punk rock. And uh, we were bound by uh, suicidal tendencies. And Dogtown and the whole fucking nine yards. And we were solid, but he blew it, man. And that's what happens when you're fucking snorting fucking cocaine, beating on your fucking girlfriend. Ain't that right, you fucking maggot piece of shit, motherfucker? Uh, he fucking knows damn well what he's done. Suicidal! Lost a brother, I'll tell you that. But I am empathetic, and I pray that you do get better, man. I said, well, maybe I can't, but I sure as hell gonna try, you know? And that's the whole reason why we're here right now, you know? We started off on our kitchen. The first time when we were playing, people were like, what are you gonna do that? No one's gonna like what you're doing. It's like, okay, well, we're wasting our time. Let us waste it. You worry about your time. Sometimes you gotta fight with your fist. Sometimes you gotta fight with your mind. And that's the whole reason why we're here right now, you know? And if you can fight with your mind first, you're better off. It's better than your mind fighting against you. Ain't that right, Daniel? Getting ready to do fucking three years, man, for fucking beating on your chick, bro. She's called on this fucking dude 15 times. <laughs> Each time you call, it's 45 days, man. Do the fucking math, fucking idiot. Anyway, I didn't know he was beating on his chick, and I didn't know he was doing cocaine cut with fentanyl. I started seeing it right away, man. We were hanging out for about two hours. I was already missing my fucking dog, Lil. And I read their palms, man. And his girlfriend was okay, but when I read Daniel's, his shit was going backwards. And I was like, you're going backwards, bro. And he goes, what does that mean? I was like, I don't know. You're the only one that can figure it out. I was going to crash in his car. We were going to hustle on the fucking beach. He ended up fucking freaking out the next morning and breaking his fucking girlfriend's phones. And the cops got me involved and were like, hey, get over here. And I was like, what do I have to do with this? And somehow that fucking douchebag fucking stupid fucker. You're fucked in the head, man. Like a lot of these motherfuckers, too. They just do it because they think they can get away with it. 
And Wyatt, fuck your fucking fat ass, motherfucker. You guys are fucked. My mom fucking went to go fucking protect women who were getting hurt by the same kind of douchebag, but my mom did it wrong. This guy was launching at the chick in front of me. I jumped in front of her. And I got my ass kicked. And I didn't fucking throw a fit back, man, because I wasn't trying to fuck his girlfriend. I wasn't trying to hurt him. Had no idea what the fuck his fucking problem was. Fucking came at me a couple times. Popped me in my fucking eye. I'm a bleeder, but I'm not really someone that fucking you can take down easily. I'm only a bleeder because I'm smart enough to not fucking get my face fucking beat over the years. But Daniel fucked up. You're a fucking drug addict, woman-beating piece of shit, dude. Dating a Romanian fucking supermodel 20 years younger than you. Which is whatever. I guess that part's alright. If it's consensual, whatever. You're fucking 53. You're fucking gross. Coming at me the way you did, man. Twice! <laughs> I left Dogtown, I left Daniel, I bought his fucking girlfriend a couple phones because he was a fucking whiny little douchebag that got me in trouble with the fucking cops. He's still out there, he's about to go to jail. Don't drop the soap, motherfucker! Never in Dogtown. Never. <laughs> Fuck you, Daniel. You fucked up, bro. You don't own shit in Dogtown. You just some fucking weak motherfucker. Weak little bitch. Bye bye. Uh, I hope I never have to go to an Apple store again. I think I saw fucking Brian Adams fucking stunt double in there. or <laughs> Just a bunch of fucking weirdo fucking gray-haired fucking dudes my age that fucking just have more money than me. And I don't really care necessarily, you know. If I had it, I'd be investing in the shit. I wouldn't really, really care about it can't look at the state of the fucking world Mark Brooks from Metal Lock Lips fucking cocky fucking dick once said uh no one's gonna give their money away you know it's like eh, you don't know everybody dude and speak for yourself fucking stuck up fucking cock anyway I told her I was like look I am going to go uh I'm going to go to Disneyland, and uh, your karma is to stay here and deal with your fucking, uh, you know, girlfriend-beating fucking cocaine fucking snorting fucking dickhead that you continually went back to because you have battered uh, women's syndrome, and I had battered men's syndrome, and I understand how that goes, and uh, you have to deal with that, and that's your karma, and my karma is to go to Disneyland. And that's what I fucking did. I fucking took a car 
to fucking Disneyland. Some joints. And I got fucking high in Disneyland. And no one even knew about it. And I went ahead and got the fast lane pass so I could just fucking get in. When <laughs> but the first thing I wanted to do, man, was go to that haunted mansion. <laughs> I love that fucking thing, dude. If you guys do the studies on the haunted mansion too, that is the time when ghosts are present. The whole ride is under the actual house front. Even though it looks like you're going through the house, you're not. Mortals to the haunted mansion. I am your host, your ghost host. <laughs> I hadn't been on this fucking ride for a while. Kindly step all the way in, please, and make room for it. But it was amazing. There's no turning back now. And I uh, did that one, and I did Splash Mountain. Our tour begins here in this. Which was kind of weird because I thought they fucking banned the Song of the South and all that shit, but they kept the characters from it. You can tell Disney doesn't really give a fuck about. Any of that shit. <laughs> they really are subliminally racist. Is this haunted room actually stretching? I think the haunted mansion is really the one that is the safest one to <laughs> to go through. But who knows? You know. This chamber has no windows and no doors. <laughs> when I got done with the haunted mansion. I got to uh, do Splash Mountain, like I said, and I did uh, another one. Of course. Went through the castle. I kept looking for shit that I, I might want to buy or whatever, but I really didn't see anything too interesting. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> oh, I didn't mean to frighten you prematurely. <laughs> the real chills come later. Now, as they say, look alive, and we'll continue our little tour. The things I and wanted to buy were really together. props inside the place. I didn't know how to even go about that. It would be cool to rip off Disneyland, right? If you could get away with it. Or ripping off shit from the inside. I'm sure it's not an original idea. But I would like to be one of the criminals that did it. <laughs> right here. Uh, you know. <laughs> I did go to the fucking galaxy of the gar uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, tower dropper thing and I guess it used to be different man because it used to be the Twilight Zone one and they changed it and I can only imagine what that Twilight Zone one was like the Tower of Terror Oof. and then they changed it though but it still rides the same way it's like this ride that goes up and then down and then up and then down and then up and then down. It's like you're on an elevator again. It's like you're fucking gonna get sick. And then your little photos hanging out at the end of it. And I could see photos of myself like fucking 
Oh God! With that crazy, oh my God, face thing going on. <laughs> Finally, I lit up a fucking joint, and the guard came out. <laughs> and he goes, "Let's go." <laughs> And I got it off my bucket list, y'all. I got 86 from Disneyland for fucking smoking weed. Listen. <laughs> I know. The horror. Getting stoned in Disneyland. Oh, my God. Anyway, <laughs> it was over. I got kicked out of there. <laughs> they opened up the casket and let me out. And I got down to the LAX Motel 6. Stayed a couple nights. And then I flew the fuck out of there. And that's pretty much time's up. This is the end of it. It's the end of the journal, y'all. I hope you had a good time. Life is uh, pretty fucked up sometimes, huh? I just wanted to let my mom know, next time, just, you know, don't be a punching bag, just dump the body in the fucking river and get it the fuck over with, okay? Alright, until next time, gang. It's time to respond. Send us a message from somewhere beyond. You guys, be safe. Fourth of July, don't fucking drive drunk, Awaken fucking dicks. The spirits with your tambourines. Alright guys. I guess we're gonna close it out. Oh, hope you guys had a good time today. I'm heading for the last round of sad little I think I might have broke my back coughing. It's kind of weird. But not surprising. I hope you guys had a good time listening to this gonzo journalistic and I hate using the word gonzo now because even the doctor is Dr. Thompson accused of filming a snuff pedophile film at the old uh, Bohemian Grove I know you're like, why you gotta blow this shit for me? Well, because that's life, dude. And until the fucking curtain draws, you gotta deal with the truth. Most people don't want to deal with it. And it's weak. Because no one does deal with it and doesn't stand up to it. So it just keeps prevailing injustice and discredit towards people with PTSD like me who get fucking hurt in the system and you know who you are 
I want you guys to call me more than anybody. If you got a story about being abused by the fucking mental health system, or a friend, or somebody that fucking said they had your back and you believed them, I want to hear it from you, dude. You can give me or my mom, grandma, gutter punk, my dear little old mother. And we're professionals. I did not say professional therapists. But we are professional. Give me a call. 206-666-5847. Leave me some fucking money in my Zelle account. AdamAirWilliams at gmail.com. And we'll keep it fucking rolling, Rock. Until next time, gang. You know the drill. If you've been listening to Adam Air MDGD Underground Cartoon Therapy, you know that I'm. That's right. Ha 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 